So, I'm going to be trying this thing where, like, I record whatever we learn in class the same day so that it maybe, like, sticks better. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, today we started the chapter D and F block elements, and we started primarily with just the D block elements. So, let's begin. The elements in which the differentiating electron enters the n-1d orbital is called a d-block element, or are called d-block elements. Now the general electronic configuration for our d-block elements um, goes n-1, d1 to 10, and ns2, 1 or 2. Now, the d-block elements are grouped into the transition elements. Now, the d-block elements, which contain incompletely filled d orbitals in either its ground state or any one of its oxidation states, is what you call a transition element. But we can't exactly say that all the d-block elements are transition elements because if you look at zinc, cadmium, and mercury, we see that they have a completely filled d orbital, whether they're in their ground state or their excited state. Take Zn, zinc, for example. You have 4s2, 4d10. When it goes to zinc 2 plus, then the, the two electrons go from the s, so it becomes 4d10 and 4s0. So in this case, the d orbital was completely filled. Now, the transition elements come under three series. The 3d series, 4d series, come under four series, sorry. The 3d series, 4d series, 5d, and 6d. Now, the 3d series are from scandium to zinc, the 4Ds are from yttrium to cadmium, 5Ds are from lanthanum to mercury, and the 6D is from actinium, and it's still going on. Now, in this chapter, we're mainly going to be focusing on the 3D series, so yeah, let's begin. Let's start with the electronic configuration. So here the atomic number goes from 21 to 30, scandium to zinc. For scandium, the, oh, and all of them come after argon, right? So we're taking argon as our um, starting point, and we're building on top of that. So scandium, um, you have argon's configuration, then 4s2, 3d1. Titanium, 4s2, 3d2. Vanadium, 4s2, 3d3. Now, you would expect the electronic configuration for chromium to be 4s2, 3d4, right? No. What happens is, one electron from the S moves over to the D, so it becomes 3D5 and 4S1. Now, I'll tell you the reason for this later. Just remember, chromium, atomic number 24, shows a really weird, um, exceptional, rather, electronic configuration, where it's 4S1, 3D5. Moving further, manganese, 4S2, 3D5, iron, F uh, 4S2, 3D6, cobalt, 4S2, 3D7, nickel, 4S2, 3D8. Again, with copper, it's 4S1, 3D10. It should have been 4S2, 3D9. One electron from the S moves over to the D, making it 4S1, 3D10. And finally, zinc, 4S2, 3D10. Now, what's going on with chromium and copper? Why is it 4S1, 3D5 and 4S1, 3D10? Well, basically, if you have a half-filled or a completely filled orbital, you have a lot more stability than you would have expected with just 3d4 or say 3d9. So just to cross that little energy barrier, not energy, that little barrier to get into a more stable state, you just move the electron from the 4s2 over to the d. 
Now we move on to the metallic character. Now we're just going to be talking the physical properties of the 3D series. Now all the elements in the 3D series are metals. And what they do is they either form covalent bonds and metallic bonds. Why do they form covalent bonds? Because they have unpaired electrons and they have MDD orbitals. How do they, why do they form metallic bonds? Because they have a bunch of unpaired electrons. Now metallic bond strength is directly proportional to the number of unpaired electrons. If you look at chromium, chromium molybdenum, and um, what you call it, tungsten, here we see the most unpaired electrons. And because of this, they're called hard metals. They have very strong metallic bonds. And I'm sorry, these aren't the physical properties of just the 3D series. They're the properties of our little D-block. Um, when we look at the orders, though, we're going to be considering just the 3D series. Just Let's just be clear about that. So, where was I? Yes, chromium, molybdenum, and tungsten. They have the most number of unpaired electrons compared to the, all the other elements, and because of this, they're very hard metals, strong metallic bonds. But if you look at zinc, cadmium, and um, mercury, they aren't very hard because they have a bunch of unpaired electrons. Now let's look at melting point and boiling point. Now, melting point and boiling point are directly proportional to the metallic bond strength, and the metallic bond strength is directly proportional to the number of unpaired electrons. But the weird thing is, the 3D series, they don't follow a proper order where it's just the same thing throughout. So scandium has a lesser boiling point than titanium, which has a lesser boiling point than vanadium, which has a lesser boiling point than chromium. But now, chromium has a greater boiling point than manganese, Manganese has a lesser boiling point than iron, cobalt, and nickel. Iron, cobalt, and nickel all have comparable melting and boiling points. And these guys have a melting and boiling point greater than copper, which has an MPBP greater than zinc. And all of this is based off the number of unpaired electrons. Now, if you look at manganese and iron, cobalt, and nickel, here we see an exception. So just remember this little part. Now, if you look at the series, then you see that 3D has a lesser boiling point and melting point than 4D, which is lesser than 5D. Now let's move on to the enthalpy of atomization. Now, the enthalpy of atomization is basically the energy you need to break apart an isolated molecule into its atoms. And here, um, delta HA is directly proportional to the number of unpaired electrons. Now, if you look at um, the range, we see that it sort of increases up till a certain number, there's a little exception in the middle, and then after that it's just decreasing. So it increases, scandium um, has a letter in, lesser enthalpy of atomization than titanium, which is lesser than vanadium, and vanadium has a greater enthalpy of atomization compared to chromium and manganese. Now when you look at chromium and manganese, chromium has a greater enthalpy of atomization than manganese. Why? Because it has a half-filled orbital and a half-filled configuration. Now after we're done with this little exception, everything begins to go down. If you look at iron, cobalt, and nickel, here we see that they're comparable. Right, So basically their configurations at this point of time are 3D6, 3D7, and 3D8. So iron, cobalt, nickel, they're all comparable. After them, we see a drop when we come to copper and zinc. This is because the number of unpaired electrons is, it just like drastically reduces. Now we move on to the atomic and ionic radius. So again here, um, 
usually what I've been noticing in all these orders of the 3D series is it either increases or decreases up to um, the guys in the middle who have the exceptions, usually chromium and manganese or iron, cobalt, nickel, or usually like all five of them together. And then after that, it just like decreases or increases, like basically the opposite of what happened the first time. So if you look at atomic or ionic radius, scandium has a greater radius than titanium, which is greater than vanadium, which is greater than, greater than chromium, which is greater than manganese. Why? Because the increase in nuclear charge is much more than the screening effect of the d electrons. So basically, we see um, we see that down the group, what's happening is sorry, not down the group, down the period what's happening is you're getting more and more electrons. So there's an increase in nuclear charge. But the problem is your D electrons aren't really cooperating and helping you shield it well. So because of that, we see a drastic increase in nuclear charge, making it smaller and smaller. And because the screening effect doesn't really help, we just see that it continues to get small. Now, after this, we come to iron, cobalt, nickel. Again, these guys are the exceptions. So here we see that the increase in the nuclear charge is canceled by the increase in the screening effect. Now, after this, we see that we have a lot more d electrons than we started with. So now the atomic and ionic radius of copper and zinc is much greater than whatever was before because we see an increase in the shielding effect of the d electrons. Now, if you look at just the series, the 3D series has a lesser radius than 40, which is lesser than 5D. This is when you look at 40 and 5D, however, we see that there's a very little increase in atomic radius. They're almost the same. They're very comparable. And this is because of lanthanide contraction. Now, what is the big deal about lanthanide contraction? Due to the ineffective shielding of the 4F orbital, the effective nuclear charge increases on the outermost electron. Because of that, there's a gradual decrease in the size of the element from lanthanum to lutetium. And this decrease in atomic size is called lanthanide contraction. So if you look at the 4D series, you have yttrium, zirconium, niobium, niobium, and molybdenum. And then in the 5D series, you have lanthanum, hafnium, tantalum, and tungsten, right? So because of the lanthanide contraction, um, the atomic radius of zirconium is comparable to hafnium, niobium is comparable to tantalum, and molybdenum is comparable to tungsten. Now we move on to the density. Now if you look at the density, if you move from the 3D series to the 4D series, we see that the density is increasing. And when we see when we move rather from 4D to 5D, the density increases, but this time it doesn't just increase, it doubles. Why? Because let's consider what density really is. Density is mass divided by volume, right? So if you look at um, the 4D, let's say their density, the density of 4D is M divided by V. For the 5D guys, their mass is increasing, right? It is increased. Let's say it's increased twice, so it becomes 2M. But the volume doesn't change because remember the lanthanide contraction thing that we talked about? That means their volume is almost constant. So this means that the new density would be twice the initial density. And because of that, we say that due to the lanthanide contraction, the density of 5D elements is almost twice the density of 4D elements. Now let's move on to the ionization enthalpy. Now what is ionization enthalpy? This is basically a, um, a, um, 
what do you call it a definition I've almost memorized because of like how many times I've had to say it over and over again now ionization enthalpy is basically the energy required to move an electron from the outermost shell of a neutral isolated gaseous atom now if you look at the ionization enthalpy the trends across the various blocks um, the P block has the greatest ionization enthalpy um, which is followed by the D block and the S block has the least now, when we look at the ionization enthalpies of this group, we see that there are many irregularities. I mean, if you take, let's just take scandium, titanium, vanadium, chromium, manganese, iron, cobalt, nickel, copper, and zinc. Now, let me read out their ionization enthalpy values. 631, 656, 650, 653, 712, 762, drops down to 758, then 736, then 745, and then when you go to zinc, it's 906? There's so many, it's like a bumpy road. The irregularities in the first ionization enthalpies of the d-block elements is due to the fact that the removal of an electron alters the relative energies of the 4s and the 3d orbitals. So what's happening? This results in the exchange energy being released, which increases with the number of d-electrons. So what's happening is, usually when we talk about ionization enthalpy, we're removing an electron from the outermost shell. Am I right? I am. So now we remove an electron from the d-orbital. So now there's a little bit of space for the electrons from the s orbitals to kind of like, you know, switch orbitals and then get back to its place. You know that electrons are not stationary, they keep moving. So what happens is the electrons move around and in the process they release energy. And this energy that is released is called exchange energy, the energy that stems from these guys moving around in their orbitals. And this happens only when an electron is removed from the d orbital. Now, the 5D elements have a higher ionization enthalpy than expected because of their lanthanide contraction. Remember, because the effective nuclear charge is already pretty much increased because the 4F orbital just can't do its job. And yeah, the last one is chromium has a very low ionization enthalpy than expected because there's no change in the D configuration, the, 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 the configuration of the D electrons. We're not taking an electron from the D guys, we're taking it from the... 4s2. So even if we take two electrons or something, we're going to end up with, I'm sorry, even if we take one electron, chromium is 4s1, 3d5. We can't take two, that would make it unstable. So yes, it has a low ionization, lower ionization enthalpy than expected because if we remove that one electron, which is from the 4s, um, 4s1, then we're going to end up with a still very stable um, d5. And that's the end of the first session. Yay!